Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. The reason I went to law school was to figure out how to fight for people. I'm an advocate by nature, which is my message for people who want to get into this industry is your passion is whatever you're good at. There is a need in this industry for everyone. So you can find your vocation here. This is the Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Thank you for joining us again. Oh, it's good to see you, Dave. It's been a little bit. I know. We've both traveled. We've both taken the leap and put on the heavy-duty masks and negotiated our way through airports. It's amazing. And we made it back alive. Hey, Dave, is today your birthday? As a matter of fact, it is. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Happy birthday to me. <laughs> it's like, wah, wah. We'll put something better in later. Happy birthday. That's our thing, moms. Remember all that. Like, birthday parties were my, like, being of my existence when they were little. They stressed me out, but they had to be good. Yeah. 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 I bum out of- because there's, there's no one, there's almost no one famous that was born on my birthday. If you look up October 6th, it's a list of people I've never heard of, except for Elizabeth Shue, the actress <laughs> Elizabeth Shue. So happy birthday, Elizabeth Shue. She's older than me, yeah. too. Happy birthday, Elizabeth. Yeah. I don't know anybody on May 11th, although I was on a tarot rock. So yesterday when Facebook was down or Monday, whenever yep. that day happened, I was on Clubhouse all day mm-hmm. and I went into a tarot reading room just because I thought that would be fun. And yep. somebody else in that room had a May 11th birthday. So they gave uh. the reading for May and good things are happening for May 11th. So I'm feeling the energy, you know? Yeah. Well, you share 
a birthday with Cam Newton, former Patriots quarterback. You share a birthday with a bunch of people I've never heard of. Salvador. See, yeah, there's not that many. Salvador Dali. That's a good one. Oh, it's an artist. She's a creative. I like that. Of I'm course. a creative. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's so funny. All right. So keep going. So I'm back from my week and I am proud to say, Dave, that the Canna Mom Show is now an award winning podcast. Yes. Yes. At the um, women. In, I'm actually holding it now. Dave can describe it because I'm so proud of it. At the Women in Cannabis Expo, we won podcast of the year. The Cannabis Mom Show. Oops, it's backwards. And I just want to thank everyone who helped us get here because <laughs> this is not a solo journey. So and yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're now you're talking to an award winning podcast producer right here. So you're, you're <laughs> you welcome. Put it on your resume. <laughs> yes. Get it out there. No, it's on Twitter. It's, I was incredibly happy to see the news when you posted the photo on Facebook. It is so well deserved. You, you put in so much blood, sweat, tears, and, and THC and into the show. But and in the you know the consistent drumbeat of sh- that you release the shows with, you stick to it. You write awesome show notes, so I don't have to. And the, yeah, the trophy is is legit. As I was just saying, it's got like a small black base, but then it's it's crystal and it swooshes up. It's like a fire, like a flame. Like, they play "Girl on Fire" when I got yeah. I guess on stage. it's like a flame, but it. But you could put <laughs> that. You could put that next to a Golden Globe or a Grammy, and it would. It would probably sit next to those. <laughs> I think so. so. And it could be used as a weapon, yeah. ladies. It does look a little yeah. sharp. <laughs> it, it was beautiful. I carried it home. Thank you, everyone at Women in Cannabis Expo. Thank you, Brooke. It was so wonderful to meet all my virtual lady cannabis friends in person. It was a little strange, Dave. I got to touch them. They were actually yeah. real. Yeah, I met some people at this conference I went to in in Florida that had only known me for a year virtually, and they all said the same thing. I had no idea you were that tall, and so <laughs> you know what they I, said to me? What? We didn't realize you were so short. <laughs> Everybody's equal on I know. audio. And I, I, I said that, right. I said to people that, that. I mean, should I be telling people on Zoom calls that? By the way, I'm tall. I want you to know that. No, that would be rude. So anyway. <laughs> And just well, like, all the ladies are like Dave's voice. Oh, Dave. I'm like, it's a lady show, ladies. It's a lady show. <laughs> all right. It was great for my ego to win something. My husband was there with me and he got to see what I could do. And I had fun. And I also picked up a couple of good books because I read again. Now that the pandemic's over. I rediscovered the idea that I like books and I mm. spent a lot of time on planes and I don't do movies. I read. So I got this one book called Cannabis is Medicine by Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, who I've seen on social media, but if you want to understand the science of this thing, this is a 2020 book. It's pretty up to date and it just explains it in a way that I tried to explain it, but it really explains it. So cannabis is medicine. Cannabis is medicine by let's Bonnie see. Goldstein. Bonnie Goldstein. Doc, okay. Doctor, Dr. Okay. Bonnie Goldstein. I think she's a pediatrician. And the other yeah, book available on, on a, other, available on Amazon, of course, in paperback for 20, ho- 22.99. Holiday season coming up, and I'm not getting paid to say this, but these are good books, and these are mm-hmm. things that people might want to read because it's going to help women our age and older understand why it works in our bodies. And the other one is this one called Home Baked, mm-hmm. which is set in San Francisco in the 70s and 80s. This The author had grown up with a mother who created brownies, baked special brownies in that era and sold them. And then during the AIDS uh, epidemic... Mm-hmm. She was helping her friends, all her friends in San Francisco, stay healthy with cannabis. It's a sort of an interesting, it's a novel. It tells about her personal story, but it really kind of gives a good overview of sort of drug history. Everything, everything all in one, all in one home baked. I highly recommend it. Is that 
the one by Aaliyah Valls. Is that the name of the act? The, Absolutely. Uh, yep. Yeah. The so author, she, yeah. Uh, she, it's she's the author. She experienced it, and her mom was the baker. Yeah. the The subtitle is uh, "It's Home Baked: My Mom, Marijuana, and the Stoning of San Francisco." Yeah. So <laughs> but it's it, so it's it's a, it's a novel, which sounds like it has some. His, well, it's a, a church life. It's a memoir, I guess. It's a memoir, but it's written. It sounds like a novel just because the characters are pretty outrageous. And it really is a history. Like I'm in the period of where the sh- when the mayor and Harvey White were shot. And it just sort of reminds me of what's going on now, which politics Harvey, are really uh, divided. Harvey Milk. I mean, Harvey Milk, sorry. Yeah. Harvey Milk. Yeah, yeah, Harvey Milk was shot. And Yeah, no, you're right. It's not It's not politics. a novel. It is, uh, it is it's a, a memoir. I'm sorry. A yeah, memoir. It's a memoir. Yeah, yeah, no. And that is everything I have to say about me. And normally I would have a guest, right? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> we're going to do a little different today because my guest is in Jamaica and she has bad Wi-Fi. That's such like a cannabis thing to do. You know what I mean, Dave? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> right. Yeah, she's on a beach somewhere and um, I'm not surprised that the Wi-Fi might be a little shaky. Yeah. Anyways, we did schedule this many, many months ago. She could have told me before, but that's fine. You know, we have to be very flexible. So instead of sharing someone else's can of story, I'm going to tell my can of story um, because that's what I did at the conference and it was fun. And I got to walk around the stage like Oprah. And then when I won my award, I said, you get a joint and you get a joint. (laughs) (laughs) There's a video of it. You can find it. And I also want to talk about our new sponsor for this month, How to Do the Pot, which is a podcast but also so much more. So just stay tuned. Okay. So Dave, this is just a little chit chat. Be my audience, interrupt, laugh, do whatever you want to do. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to walk around because I'll lose my, you know, smoking my joint, doing my thing. Although I am wearing my Canna Moms Are Good Moms sweatshirt, which I met um, the actual people who make these at the event. So that was, so I'm going to talk about me, the cannabis and like, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about why it's so important that women get involved in this industry and why this should be our industry, because you know, the plant, she's female and she's a caregiver and we should be building this industry in her image. And we know how to do that because that is who we are. So let's see. So I always begin my cannabis story by saying that cannabis is not my natural habitat. I am a middle-aged woman. I've been married almost 30 years. Hard to believe that. I have two grown children. I am a lawyer by training. I like to wear pearls. I play tennis. And I really did believe the cannabis killed brain cells and was bad for you. I had my own cannabis awakening in 2016. My husband and I went to Denver, Colorado. I think that's where everybody had their cannabis awakenings. Joyce, can uh, I ask you, did you, did you try pot as a, as a teenager or whatnot? I did. I did consume it. And I had kind of mom friends like back in the day who like, I think it's funny now, but we'd find like a bud, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd smoked in college, but I thought it was dangerous. I thought the stoners were losers. You know how that was. It was, (laughs) it was a Reagan era people do not judge me. And then, you know, I did like cannabis more than drinking i will admit it but i didn't understand why i thought it was i don't know maybe just bad for, i thought maybe it's dangerous i had no idea and then i met these moms and we go far away and we'd smoke our little bud and then we drink our wine mm-hmm. so that was kind of how my you know but i didn't understand how it worked with the body and right. i did kind of see that it worked i felt better but i didn't really believe myself which is kind of the story of the ladies i share they all kind of healed themselves even though all of everybody outside of them was telling him it was dangerous i find that interesting mm. you know Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so we're in Denver. We meet a woman named Goldie Soledar, and she takes us on a private tour of the industry. She picks us up and she has um, like products in the back of her car. I think she had a vape pen and some edibles and a joint. And she started talking about what cannabis is and the history and things I just didn't really know, like the Harry Anslinger stuff and why they're not, it became a narcotic and 
just, I don't know, just kind of basic history, which I don't need to go into here. And she took us to a grow facility, which is really where I think I changed my mind because you walked in and it was so professional. You know, these weren't just dudes. This guy was an MBA who could tell me everything about this plant and the water and the light and the energy usage. And it's really an expensive business, people, just so you're clear. And then we went into this room that was just filled with drawing cannabis. Does, does it, this look, look like a greenhouse? Kind of? Yeah, it's a, def- it's a greenhouse. Like it is it's a greenhouse, a, yeah. it's, the, the plants in different stages right. of growth. So some of the some of the stages were they had to be in the dark for a certain period of time so you couldn't see them. And you could see them when they were starting to grow. And then you could go into the room after they were cut and you could see all that flower just drying. This is it's horticulture. You know, and he's talking about light and water because that's really a lot of the expense. Mm-hmm. So and then she took us to which was very local kind of I think it was like a house. That's my memory of it. And we just hung out in the waiting room and just you know, whatever people were getting their stuff and they went into the back room and it was lovely and displayed well. And the woman could explain all the products to us. And there are so many things there like edibles and drinks and vape and flour and all the stuff we know about now. And it's kind of when I understood everything I knew about cannabis was wrong. Mm-hmm. That was, that was the moment. I never planned on working in it, but I did come back to Massachusetts and our kids were teenagers. And we told our kids, we sat them down and we said, kids, Everything we know about cannabis was wrong. You know, they were psyched. Yeah. Reefer <laughs> madness. Yeah. They're like, yay. And then um, in 2016, Massachusetts, Dave, the people of Massachusetts voted to approve adult use cannabis. And uh, then at the end of 2016, a contract position I was working on ended. And then in 2017, I became an invisible middle-aged woman, which, as you can imagine, was quite depressing. <laughs> Let me back up a minute. Were you surprised? Yeah. Were you surprised that Massachusetts legalized cannabis? Oh yeah, I had no idea. Like it, it's the funniest thing because I, you know, I used to practice family law. So when people found out, they felt free to tell me about their divorces. But once you start talking about cannabis, everybody tells you their cannabis story, and yeah. I'm like, oh my god, everybody's got a cannabis story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we didn't know. Even Rick, when we were in Denver, the woman who gave us the tour was like, oh, you guys are gonna go, you know, adult use next. And Rick was like, ah, no way, no way. Yeah, I didn't think, I, I want to say the same year that Massachusetts legalized cannabis was the same year they outlawed dog racing. And th- those, t- those two decisions aren't necessarily at odds, but I always th- thought of Massachusetts as, thought of as a liberal state, but really in many ways not. In many ways, um, you know, old Yankee oh, yeah. values, Puritan. Puritan values, right. That's what I always thought. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, the Puritan value state of New England voted to adult use. That's interesting. Yeah. So, but people knew stuff I didn't know, obviously. Anyway, so that was 2016, 2017. So I'm having trouble getting work because I'm middle-aged and overeducated and took time off to care for my children because children don't raise themselves. I don't know if anybody knows this. <laughs> and they're wicked expensive, as yeah. they say here. And whatever. So I was in and out of work in 2017. I'm out there and I'm meeting all these other women who are just like me, who are like about my age, who have been in and out of work. And they're being told if they want to go back into the world of monetized work, they need just more skill sets. They need more something. They're just not quite good enough. And I was like, starting to feel like this didn't seem right. And then I started like advocating for women who couldn't get jobs. And then my husband was like starting to get worried about me. And he's like, maybe you should talk to somebody about what you're doing with your career. So I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 2017, I went into career therapy. And the first thing they do is do like 
you know, those professional evaluations. Sure. And she's like, Joyce, you really could not have designed a job that was worse for you than family law attorney. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I sucked at it. I was terrible as a divorce. I was the worst. I'm sorry. Anyone I divorced, I just wasn't (laughs) good at it. I wasn't mean enough. Everyone was always meaner than me. And then I just, I like one woman told me how to get help. I was like, I had these weird fantasies that people could get back together because I knew it was going to happen. I'm like, right. if you stay together for 30 years, just stick it out. They come to you, like, they come to you to, to get a divorce and you tell them why they shouldn't. Anyway, so it was a good for yeah. business. Right. Whatever. I wasn't good at it. And I got fired. That's actually true. My last divorce. And I was like, after she fired me, I was like, thank you. And she, she like wanted to rehire me. I'm like, no, I don't like this job. I'm bad at it. And you fired me. So I think that's a sign. All right. So that was you know, my thing, mm-hmm. but the thing, I didn't go to law. I mean, I didn't go into law to end people's marriages. That was not my vision. That mm-hmm. is not why I went to law school. So I actually didn't go to law school. I was 29. And in my twenties, I had been an advocate for unhoused families. And I could see in the world of Boston, I, I always worked here in East Boston, Revere, but you know, the kind of the downtrodden neighbors of our community that are now upscale, which is interesting. This is like 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Housing was so important. Like affordable housing, like if these families didn't have someplace to live, nothing else mattered. Like they couldn't access other social services. So I was kind of in this world and then I could see, I was working with other attorneys and I could see that they were doing this work. And I was like, I'm as smart as them. I'm going to apply to law school. So when I was 29, I applied to Northeastern. It's the only place I applied because I wasn't planning on leaving Mm -hmm. Boston and I got in. So when I was 30, you know, I started on my this path. I was going to work in the world of affordable housing, urban policy, something with my law degree. That was the plan. Were you able to do the, the Northeastern has that co-op program where you can work kind of concurrently with going to school? Did you do yeah, that? Yeah, so that, that is what I did. So it was yep. three years and I went through and then, you know, there's always a but in the story. So <laughs> in my uh, third year of law school, just finishing up during midterms, I thought maybe I had indigestion or possibly, possibly a tumor. But no, it was a baby. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that kind of derailed my grand plans. And, you know, my law career has been a bit, I don't know, it's not really anything to talk about, but I can say that I've done something that no man has ever done. I finished law school and I took the bar and I passed the very first time while also producing or creating, creating a person in front of inside of me. Isn't that impressive? (laughs) Does that mean you were like super pregnant during the bar or just? I was like seven months. I was six, six, seven. I was, I was visible because somebody in front of me, I remember turning around and she looked at me. She's like, are you pregnant? Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah. So yeah, you could tell. And I did get a special accommodation and my friend Anjanette did too, because she was pregnant and like some other people, because we couldn't just, we couldn't not eat. That was the one issue we had. I couldn't sit there. It's a ridiculously long test and it's two days. And I know Dave knows about this. Mm-hmm. It's absurd. Yeah, it's, anyway. it's the it's the worst thing. And it's totally non- <laughs> nonsensical to make people cram that much information into your head for a two day test that really has no bearing on how you're going to be as an attorney. It's, exactly, one, of, it's one of my pet peeves. Yeah, It's annoying because you practice a very specific state law. That's literally how you spend your entire career is something very small and very specific but they force you to understand this thing that you don't really understand. And they scare you, but whatever I did pass the bar. I did finish law school proving my brain and my uterus can work at the same time, <laughs> which was awesome. But then I had a baby and then I was like in and out of work and you know, whatever. And I had another baby. And so whatever. So fast forward 2017, this is where I am. My career has been, my professional life has been nothing to speak of, but I've always kind of held jobs and in and out. And I'm just in this career 
therapy thing. And like, I just don't know what to do next. I feel like, am I never going to be able to monetize my time? It was very just upsetting. Mm. But then I could see that all the law firms in Boston, I could see them starting. We're setting up cannabis law divisions. I don't know if you saw this, like in no. 2017, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I didn't realize that was a thing. I know that. Yeah, it, it, it's it's become so much a part of the fabric of the business community in Boston now that so I'm not surprised to hear you say that. Um, and but I could it, see it. I could kind of see it happening and it was yeah. new. And that's kind of the thing about studying specific law. That's just the truth of it. I could see that this is new law literally being written as I'm thinking about going into this industry. I could see that. Mm-hmm. And so I asked my therapist, I'm like, you know, what do you think of cannabis? And she's like, that's a great idea. And I'm like, okay. So that was the intent. I thought I would try to get into a law firm or work in the cannabis. I know something with policy. That's kind of what I, I thought I would do. Right. But then, you know, I'm a female, not a male. And all the men just seem to jump into this industry. But I was like, I should probably learn something about it. I don't know. So yep. I just started learning. Like I went out and started, like, I actually reached back to my friend Goldie, who I met in Denver. And she told me to connect with a women, um, a women cannabis group, like who gave talks in Boston and I heard the word endocannabinoid for the first time. And I met women making products and I started making doctors and nurses. And I could see that this is, in, this is bigger than I thought it was. I didn't really understand cannabis, and, but I was starting to learn the history. I was starting to learn why, why it was illegal in the first place. You know, all these things that I didn't know. And I was just, but I was still trying to figure out, I wasn't really sure where I fit in. I guess that's where I went. And I always went into this for money. And like all the ladies I were meeting were awesome. They were so nice. And they were talking about love and justice and goodness and peace and bringing the world together. But nobody had any money yet. Like that was sort of the world I was in. It still felt a little underground, you know? Yeah. And then let's see what was going. I was still feeling like maybe I wasn't good enough. That was the other weird thing. Like in my head, I'm like, maybe this is stupid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, I mean, I'm very, I have a lot of resources. I'm able to sort of access information. I have connections in Boston, but I don't know, cannabis. Is this really going to be something I want to do? I just wasn't quite sure if this is the direction I needed to go in, but must have, been, trying- must have been hard to know also because the, the industry is in its infancy The you right. know, and so there's, you know, people assume there would be money to be made in cannabis, you know, over the table instead of under the table this, this time and there would be jobs, but I don't think people really knew how or what or, right. Exactly. I mean, that's kind of where it was. And it's always about capital. And I, I did go into this, you know, I become an advocate, but I did go into this for a job. That is the truth of it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I'm sort of spinning around, spinning around. And, you know, my son has already gone off to college. My daughter's about to leave for college. I'm getting to that moment of a woman's age. And I'm like, if my kids are gone and I don't even have a job, I was getting like, I was getting really nervous. I got to mm-hmm. say, like, what's going to happen? I think I was like, what is going to happen? Anyway, so I was going into like not a happy place. And then I woke up on June 8th, 2018, and I heard that Anthony Bourdain, do you remember Anthony Bourdain, course, the celebrity yeah. chef? Yes, yeah. he had, he's a cookbook author. He did the documentaries, you know, he's just awesome. He was interesting and funky and I, whatever he had, he, we woke up and I heard that he killed himself. Right. Yeah. That was shocking news because he, he, se- he seemed like someone who really like enjoyed life. Like, exactly. To the fullest. Yeah. So it made me really sad, like really sad. Like when I tell the story, Dave, I still feel sad, which is so weird because it's not like any of us knew him. Right. But it was that same feeling that he was like, here's a guy who's got a life well lived, like and he couldn't find his way out of the darkness. Yeah. It was shocking. Anyway, so I'm crying like I'm actually crying and I go into my office to do whatever it is I'm supposed to do that day. And I'm like, I'm still literally crying. And Rick walks in 
and he's got a bike bag in either hand and he's going to work. Like, remember when people went to work, like, yeah, <laughs> he was like going to work and he could see how upset I was. And he put his bike bags down and he just listened to me. And I kind of spun myself into this thing. I was like, just telling him how sad I was like, oh my God, I can't believe Anthony Bourdain killed himself. I can't believe it's so sad. And then I just started thinking about like me mm. and I'm like, oh my God, I am still so upset that I lost that job. Like the last job I had, I thought I literally used to call it my forever job. Mm. And then I just kept going and I was like crying and I'm like, and I can't, and I'm like, I am so ashamed. I can't even believe I was fired. Like I was literally fired <laughs> by yeah. that woman. And then I was like, oh my, and I'm just disappointed. I'm like, and I'm disappointed that I lost that election. I actually ran for a school committee seat and it was so fun until I lost. And I was just like sobbing and I'm like, oh my God, maybe I'm not good enough. And he's like, okay, stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're crazy. You like, you run everything. You do everything. You do the PTA. You, you know, you do volunteer work. You keep this, everything going. He's like, he's like, you took the bar pregnant. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and my friend Anjanette took it pregnant too. And I'm like, and my friend Kathy, she finished law school and she had to raise her kids. And my friend Astrid, she was like a, a single mom and had a toddler. And I was like, I'm like, we should totally be good enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I'm like, I think we might be exceptional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, okay. So anyways, I got my act together. He goes to work. And I'm like, oh my God, what just happened to me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I'm like, you know what? I'm sad. But the thing is, I was really mad. Like, and I'm an attorney. Like, righteous indignation is literally my favorite emotion. (laughs) That's your default. Yeah. (laughs) Default. Yeah. But I had kind of allowed this whole, like, weirdness of this. Like, people couldn't hire me. They couldn't see my value. Like, this one guy wanted to hire for me for a job for, like, some ridiculously low amount. Like, $25 an hour. Something. No. Mm. He wanted to offer me, like, 20 And I asked for 25 And he said it was too much. Oh, God. And I was like, what? And I think a lot of this comes from being an attorney and billing by the hour that I really used to value my time by the hour. I, it's a funny thing in my head. Yeah. Anyway, so I but was we like, all We all had moments of that when we've, you know, had uh, so many of us, you know, we go to college and, uh, you know, a lot of people, you and I know, Joyce, go to the most uh, mm-hmm. you know, wonderful school. And, but almost everybody knows has had a moment in their career where it just seemed like none of it mattered. Like what I did everything right right up until this moment, people used to tell me I was really good. And now, but you could be just for nothing more than really bad luck. You can be unemployed and, and it really, it's happened to me a couple of times and it really hurts. It hurts. It makes you question everything. Yeah. So, but I, whatever I put on my good big girl panties and I like straighten my crown and I remember not, you know, I, you know, I got to remember where I am in life. And I'm like, I could use my voice. It's the reason I went to law school was to figure out how to fight for people. I mean, we're literally trained fighters. That is what we are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we go out into the world and we advocate. And I'm an advocate by nature, which is sort of my message for people who want to get into this industry is whatever it is your passion is, whatever you're good at, we need you. Like, seriously, there is a need in this industry for everyone. So you can find your vocation here. Anyway, so I'm advocating. I'm doing my thing. I'm like, okay, I am not sad. I am angry and I am good enough and I'm going to go into the world and I'm going to figure this out. So I went out into the world and I went to this event in Boston. It was in the end of June. It was a couple of weeks later and there were all the white guys. Right, <laughs> of course, yeah. this, it was a medical people, medical dispensaries came to came here first to Massachusetts first. 
And that's, I mean, it's capital. It's really about capital. And I'm like, I'm going to get a job here. And I met a guy who wanted to start a media company, a podcast media company. And he hired me to be his executive producer for his podcast. And that's how I got into cannabis. And it's how I got into podcasting Mm -hmm. simultaneously. (laughs) And I didn't even know what a podcast was, Dave. I was like, what? You get to choose what you want to listen to? I get my newspaper delivered. Like I literally get a newspaper delivered to my house. Yeah, you still do, right? Yeah. I still do. Still do. Um, Anyway, so that's how it started. And that's really how I learned the industry. I did that for a year and I was just meeting people every week and I was learning about podcasting. And then in 2019, I started the Canon Mom Show at the media and it just started with me talking to my friends about how you talk to your kids and the media company, the guys were going to call me the Canon Mom, which was still sort of silly at the time. Mm -hmm. Whatever. It was just, I'm like, oh, now I am. But I called it the Canna Mom Show, like the Daily Show, like an interview show. That's mm-hmm. how I thought of it. Mm-hmm. And I just started bringing friends on because everybody's got a cannabis story. And then I ended up leaving the media company, which I don't need to go into. And I started over again, which is kind of how Dave gets into the picture. Yeah, my friend. Dave. Yeah, here comes Dave. You're wondering how Dave started. <laughs> like, uh, First time I showed up. Everyone was my friend Amy. I don't you guys all remember season one. My friend Amy, who was like an old school stoner who I'd known since she was 18. We joined forces like Thelma and Louise, and we got the show rolling again. <laughs> we set up the media stuff. We did the website. We got a social media. We couldn't get a bank account. That's like a whole nother cannabis story. And then in February of 2020, mm-hmm. right? We transferred all of our stuff to Pod Six One Seven, the go. Boston Podcast Network, and um, that's where we've been ever since. We did fifty shows that first season. I used to go into the studio, but then through the magic of COVID and the pandemic, we were able to set up a podcast studio in my daughter's bedroom. <laughs> yeah, now you've done. I'm sure you've done more shows remotely than you have here in the studio. And I hope you get back to the studio. But it's just weird to think that. We all thought this was going to be temporary. Luckily, we did. Wait. We did pivot, and you do have an exceptional mic, and <laughs> that's all you. Do. Well, it's come, anyways. And here we are. We did two seasons. We're now starting season three, or we've begun season three, and um, we're a sponsored podcast now, which is I know pretty awesome. I'm pretty excited about that. It's not every podcast that's to be sponsored, and this is a business. Although I am an advocate, and um, I just think like you know, we've had some great women from Massachusetts. We're going to be talking to some women in other parts of the country moving forward. We're going to have a panel of cannabis nurses in October. Um, I'm talking to some women who are making movies about documentaries about the industry, product makers. It's just everybody. And these stories need to be shared. Authors, you know, they're coming up. So season three, we have lots of lots of women who are coming up. And what I was said at the conference that I went to, the Women in Cannabis Expo, is that this and I hear and it was very consistent, which I thought was nice to hear across the panels. It was three days of talking. Mm-hmm. about how this industry needs everyone and how women women are, use leadership skills differently and we are just experience the world differently and business doesn't have to be run the way it's always been run and maybe we can make this industry look a little bit different and I'm a little bit more caregiving because that's who we are and I always say that I found my place here I have um, a purpose now I got a podcast I have community which has been awesome meeting all the ladies and my podcasting community too and I think it's making me feel better. I really do. So that is what I have to say about me and the Cannamom Show. What a journey. Yeah. <laughs> and you're and you're just getting warmed up. But that's but just well, you know, you, you've but you you do. I mean, we, people don't know that, you know, Joyce and I talk about stuff obviously off off pod <laughs> when we're not recording. <laughs> and you're, you know, you're constantly dreaming up ways to come up with new guests, new ideas for, you know, to highlight products and things like that. 
And so I'm really happy for you. And then, and you know, I'll I'll keep uh, producing this award-winning show as long as you would like. <laughs> I'm very happy with that. And yes. this actually transitions nicely. So we have another sponsor this month. We're so happy to introduce to my listeners how to do the pot. And you will say, what is how to do the pot? Well, let me tell you, this is how they describe themselves, but I'm going to talk a little bit more about them too. How to do the pot is a tightly edited weekly podcast that demystifies cannabis for women through joyful narrative storytelling and informed recommendations and advice. Host Ellen Scanlon brings you compelling narratives from women across the U.S. who've discovered how to incorporate cannabis into their lives, whether that means as a stress or pain reliever, sex enhancer, sleep aid, or simply as a means to achieving a healthier buzz at the end of a long day. Helen also highlights the voices of accredited medical professionals and trusted experts to ensure listeners are fully informed about issues such as dosage, general safety, legal issues, and more. So that's their official description, which is pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. It's more than a podcast. Sure. But what I love most about how to do the part, how to do the pot is that it is smart. It is a really smart site for women to go to for good information which is good for my listeners because, you know, that's who we are. We're looking for smart information. And I'm just trying to think of, it's practical. I'm, let me, I'm trying to think of, for one thing, the site offers really practical information and like CBD products. That's like one thing I'm always going on about. Never buy your CBD products at the gas station, right, Dave? Right. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's a mantra. If there's, one, yes, and, um, if there's one thing I've learned in the show, that's it for sure. Yes. <laughs> that is all he yes. knows. Do not buy it at the gas station. <laughs> yeah. So again, like how do you find good products? Well, Ellen has some really good information about that on her site and you can find it really easily about CBD products that she recommends and finds are useful. So those are definitely things I would recommend as well. And there's this one product that I think everyone will like. It is called Quim, Q-U-I-M, Quim Happy Clam. And it is described as an eye cream for your vagina. I'll see myself <laughs> out. <laughs> I just, I just, okay, I so do yesterday. tell. What does that mean? What does that mean? It's a, it's a lubricant, I okay. think. She has yeah. another one for postpartum. For post- oh, eye cream meaning for, like, you know, a, shrinks the it, wrinkles. and the Okay. Or, or puffs it up or, I don't know, softens it up. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know the description. It was just, okay. how could I not say that on air? Right. It is an eye cream for your vagina. Okay, mm. but she doesn't just cover eye creams. She also covers really important topics that women have questions about, such as pot and pregnancy, which is something people talk about a lot in the you know the Facebook groups I'm on. You know, can you consume? Can you not consume? Can you use lotions? Can you use salves? Can you use tinctures? You know, does it impact the child? Does it not? There's a full range of how people feel about this, obviously. But there is, you know, and it's a difficult thing to study, but there is some scientific med- information out there. So if you're looking for something, you know, really relevant, how to do the pot has it on there. How to do the pot. And it's, by the way, it's do the pot.com, just do the pot.com. And yeah, do uh, the just pot. in looking at the recent guests on the show, episode number 96, the guest was Troy. She has a funny little, she's got a bunch of different ways she does her podcast. I'm going to talk about one in a second. But one of the things she's been doing is having women she's talking to talk about their first time they bought legal cannabis right so um, <laughs> and that's what you did yeah right right it was short sweet and but what my favorite are her handbook series and one she calls it's called the pot talk and i think it's four or five episodes and my favorite is boomers and weed 
And it's just talking to our seniors is so important. This is sort of one of my mantras and it is, you know, we are a talk show. She's a very, it's a bit, it's highly edited. So she has lots of facts. She has people giving their information that she's just a really well laid out storyline. And she does this over four or five series, four or five episodes, I think. And from talking to you teenagers or are you consuming too much or just different topics. So that is where we are. Love it. Yeah. All right, Dave. Well, that was a different kind of show. How'd you feel about that? I felt pretty good. I got to talk more than I normally do. Yeah, yeah. Even <laughs> I mean, you don't prevent me from talking, but usually, you know, we're lost in the conversation with the guest. And I think people like to hear about you and, you know, your triumphs. And because everybody on this show comes and tells a story and yours is as compelling as, as any. So now that you're okay. now that you're award winning, has your life changed? Are there like paparazzi outside your home and everything and people recognize yeah, you on the street? It is difficult to get out these days, but I'm fine. You have to wear a mask. I'm good. Well, <laughs> this is true. Actually, when the Women's March, they mm. had a held a Women's March last weekend, and there was one in Tucson, Arizona. I was visiting my daughter there, and I went out, and my daughter and her friends went with me, and I wore my Angry Feminist Podcasting. Have you seen that? So I'm an Angry Feminist Podcaster. Yeah, I think, yeah, you did show me that. Yeah, yeah. So I did wear that. Everyone had a lot of Ruth Bader Ginsburg apparel, which I was very excited about, and yeah, I don't know. Podcasting, we're good. That's it. That's the only thing that's really changed. I just <laughs> you're, you're kidding me out. Okay. No, no. I thought I, when you said that's it. When you said that's it. I got to do my exit. All right. Yeah, so no, was, you don't fun. have to do it yet. It's your show. I was trying to right. produce. Sorry. It's see. Give give me a little bit of a change of pace, and I muck it up. Anyway. Look, he's all, he's whenever all you're ready, time. Joyce. I'm good. I am. Okay. All right. So for myself, because I am the guest today for myself <laughs> and my Canabro David Yaz, who chit chatted a lot today, <laughs> and our Canamom Show team, Catherine and Hayden. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canamom Show, where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry one can of story at a time thank you for following and subscribing and sharing all the amazing can of stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregiving i am your host joyce gerber this is the canna mom show and we are a production of pod 617 the boston podcast network Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon And I'm Saba. And we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout Podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while we break it all down. down.